it's been way too long, but uh, we're back. It's coming up to Tubishvat, and I know that I had uh, paused in the middle of learning Perak Shira, the song of nature, what everything in nature sings out. And we had begun the third chapter, and no better time to resume, because we're going to look at what the grapes say, or the vine, should I say. Gefen Oimeris, what does the vine say? An interesting posuk, because there are many references to grapes, but listen to this. Koyamar Hashem, so says Hashem, sings the vine. Ka'asher yimotse ha'tirosh ba'eshkoyl, just when the the wine or the grape juice product is found together in a cluster, the Omar, and he, a person says, Al Tashkisein, don't destroy it. Kivrochoboy, there's a blessing in it. So I shall do the same for my servants, the Vilti Hashkisakoil, not to destroy everything doesn't sound such a positive message. I want to give you a really positive message. I'm not going to kill you. Interesting. What does this mean? What's this telling us? And it's interesting that it says the vine sings it and not the grapes. This is interesting as well because the vine itself, whilst it obviously has its strengths and you'll find reference to being used to tie things and to create ropes, etc., but intrinsically, in terms of value, it's not really something which is of any worth. It's not the vine which is the precious thing. It's the actual fruits thereon. It's the actual grapes themselves. They make it worth it. When the wine is found in a cluster, don't destroy it because there's blessing in it. The blessing is in the fact that they're clustered, they're together. If they're isolated, even the grape by itself, yes, we all know the joke. What, what did the grape say when someone trod on it? Nothing, it just let out a little wine. But there's a certain pathos to that. It's the fact that isolated, the grape, is nothing than just a little bit of taste. But together, together, wow, it's something strong. And it occurred to me, that looking in that phrase, don't destroy it, because there's a blessing in it. The blessing is even before you get to the nature of the grapes themselves. The fact that they are together is a blessing. It's so crazy that we're at a time where people are isolated. There's just no better time to say it. The concept of togetherness, we're social animals, but when we're alone, there's only so much you can take. There's blessing in the togetherness. That fact itself, before the rest of the bracha, is enough to be a bracha. But then we can take it to the next level. Because we know that if you're looking for things which are used for making a bracha, making a blessing in Judaism, we know that Kiddush, Havdalah, Asimcha, Asudah, Purim, all of these things, 
how do we really celebrate? How do we really show simcha through the, the joy? How do we really acknowledge through wine? Wine itself is used as a bracha. Bursting with goodness, this grape, or I should say the cluster of grapes, which is made into the wine, used as a bracha, it's in the physical world, the physical world which is bound by the laws of nature. The number seven, seven days of the week, we know that uh, on Shabbos, seventh day, finally, we make the broch of Kiddush over the wine. It's interesting that Chazal point out that lots of things to do with um, the number seven and the cycles of seven within nature. On Shabbos, where you see the complete circle, the end of the circle and the, uh, the fruits of your actions, where you actually take a step back and acknowledge the beauty of the world, Lots of those things that we're told to eat, they're mispah cotton, their small DNA adds up to seven. What do I mean by that? For example, dog, which means fish, dalad and gimel is four and three, is seven. Um, you have bosor, which is meat. Again, it's something that we're, that, uh, we're instructed, as a, if, unless you're a vegetarian, to eat is uh, 502. Five and two is seven. Again and again. Now, interestingly, Yayin is 70, 7 and 0, 7. Gefen, 80 and 50, and 3, 133. It's 7. The cycles, it's a brocha, it displays the brocha. If you use the wine to be makadish, to sanctify, you are showing, you're showing Hashem being in charge of nature. Now, it's amazing what the Medrash Rabbah says with regards to grapes. And I saw this in a parish um, on Perikshu, possibly by the Chidol, but I, I can't remember offhand. When the Saramashkin, the butler, in his dream, which he describes to Yosef, envisages the, uh, the thing in front of him, he says there's a, there was a geffen in front of me. He talks about the fruits that were inside, the, the, the vine itself, the wood itself being worthless, but the fruits inside, they were something special. Who are these fruits? What are these fruits? Says the Medrash Rabbah that it was a reference to the righteous people, to the tzaddikim, to the great people. Indeed, it's a bracha that we do give, and it's often sung at a wedding. In ve'agefen, in ve'agefen, the beautiful fruit of the vine, which combine with the beautiful fruit of the vine from the other family, should combine to, to create future generations. The fruits being the next generation, that's what fruits are, that's what tubishvat is. Not just happy birthday to the trees, it's actually looking, taking stock, where, how, how am I growing? What are the fruits of my actions gonna be? The grapes, the wine that he dreams of, says the Medrash is a reference to the tzaddikim, the tzaddikim who, in whose merit the world keeps going. Because if you just saw the worthless vine by itself without the grapes, you'd ignore it. It's no good. There's no use for it. But suddenly, the appearance or the potential future of these tzaddikim, everything becomes worth it. So many Midrashim talk about the idea that when you have that final product, which is so special, all the hard work along the way was worth it. Think sometimes how much hard work you have to put into something, it all becomes worth it. The Gemara in Sukkah actually tells us 
that 36 tzaddikim, the Lamad Fov tzaddikim, they uphold, they uphold the, the, the world. It's their, um, it's uh, in their zechus, in their merit that the world keeps going. I find it fascinating that 30, that, that 36, which I'm sure you know, is the amount of lights without the shamash that we light on Hanukkah, is also representative of that. It's, uh, it corresponds to, um, when we talk about the, the, um, the two heroes of Hanukkah in terms of, I don't mean in terms of the story of the Kainan, I'm talking about the, uh, the representatives of Yehuda and Yosef, which is for another time to explain fully, that Yehuda, um, Yehuda is, the, is uh, the one who acknowledges from the word hoida to admit the source of everything, and Yosef is the one who stands firm. He's called Ben Porus Yosef. It talks about the fruits of his, his contributions. Yehuda's mother is Leah. Leah was the first person to admit. She calls Yehuda because she admits and thanks Hashem also from the word um, Hoida, Yoda. The name Leah itself is also 36 because it's the root, the root of everything. To acknowledge, to shine light on the real source of everything, that's Leah. And I find it fascinating that Tubishvad is kind of this midpoint in this dark time of year between Hanukkah, the 36 lights of Hanukkah, and Purim. On Tubishvad, we had a little bit of light there. Amazingly, Odom Arishain, who ate maybe from the grapes, which we'd have to examine, the Gemara tells us that before the sin, there were 36 hours of light, primordial light, which shone and were then hidden away hidden away until it's time to rectify that wrong. To be continued, the Chet of Adam Happy Tu Bishvat.